the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is Cover 3 College Football Summer School. We've done our research on the teams, and now we're bringing on the top team experts from the 24-7 Sports Network to help us fill in the blanks. Please follow us on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. That's Cover3Podcast. And leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. All right. Class is in session. All right, guys, we are now pleased to be joined by Mitchell Forty of Power Mizzou. You can follow him on Twitter at Mitchell4, that's the number 4D, at Mitchell4D, and he covers Missouri. M- Mitchell, uh, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much for having me, bud. Dude, uh, really excited to dive into this. We're doing, you know, five, six, seven, sometimes eight minutes on each team as their spring games wrap up. Some kind of summer reading. We'll figure out what the actual title uh, for this will be in post-production. So, uh, Missouri last year, kind of an up and down season, power rated in the 60s, which you know is bottom half of, of the SEC. Uh, but they still managed to make a bowl game, which had to be pretty nice for you know for Coach Drinkwitz. What what was kind of the general sentiment there on, on Missouri after the year? Uh, I think it was probably slightly underwhelming, but could have been worse given how it started. And I think probably because it got better as the season went on, it was a little easier for fans to swallow and have some excitement for next year. Going into the season, there were definitely people who were, who were talking about that as a, you know, eight, nine win team, which seemed a little unrealistic to me, but you know, if you got the bounces to fall, right. I could have seen as possible. They started off really poorly. Um, I think they started off. zero and three in the sec or at least zero and two, and then also lost to Boston college. So um, the, the first three power five teams they played, they lost, ended up going six and six in the regular season, making a bowl game, losing to army. So there's people still pretty optimistic about the program in large part because of Eli Drinkwitz's recruiting. He's brought in back to back top 20 classes, at least on the rivals rankings. Um, but there's, there's definitely starting to get to be a little, a little urgency to, uh, to seeing some results translate on the field. For sure. And obviously it's tough to formulate expectations for a program that's still relatively new to the league. They've been in for what, a, about a decade now or, or, or so. Yeah. Right. 10 years. This will be the 10th season. There there you go. Um, and, and some decent hope for this year as well with a kind of a cake non-conference. I mean, Kansas state and then three pretty much automatic wins, unless you're a bigger Louisiana tech fan than, than I am. Um, I want to talk, start with the offense here though. The offense certainly carried the team last year. They were 52nd in you know, Bill Connolly, Mizzou alum, uh, his SP Plus ratings. But they they lose Connor Bazelak, uh, who I think was better in 20 than he was in 21. What? I guess we should start there with QB. What What is the state of the QB position? Are, are you expecting like better quarterback play, worse? Do you even know? What What are we thinking here? Yeah, that's the big question, Mark. And that that is going to determine, I think, a lot about this season. And that is what I don't know the answer to because I just still don't know who the quarterback's going to be. As of right now, I think it would be Brady Cook, who was Connor Bazelak's backup for last season, but then took over as the starter for the bowl game. But Mizzou's still pursuing transfers. They hosted JT Daniels on a visit a couple weeks ago. 
Um, he's still deciding. I think he's going to probably he's visiting West Virginia. I think it's this weekend, maybe the following weekend, and then he should have a decision. Um, they hosted Jaden Daniels before he went to LSU. They've they've been in on a couple other guys. So clearly there is some some thought that that position could use some upgrading. They're also bringing in a pretty highly touted high school recruit in Sam Horn, who's going to hit campus in June. I would be a little surprised if he was taking over as the starting quarterback right away. That'd be a pretty quick turnaround for not having been there for spring ball. But yeah, I mean, Connor Bazelak really struggled towards the, the tail end of last season, which is why he got replaced in the bowl game and ultimately transferred. I think that Mizzou fans should would hope that regardless of who the quarterback is, he, they can be more effective than we saw from Bazelak the last six weeks or so of last season. But there, it, there's no sure thing there right now, um, and, and that's why they're pursuing transfers. For sure. Uh, things seem a little bit rosier at receiver, it looks like. Yeah, definitely. That's that's the position I think people are most excited about. And it has a lot to do with Luther Burden, the nation's number one wide receiver who's coming in out of East St. Louis. Mizzou beat out you know Georgia and Alabama to get him. So it was obviously a really big deal. And the expectations for him are really high. He uh, he looks solid in the spring game. I don't want to draw too many conclusions from the spring game, but he did show an ability with the ball in his hands that I, don't, I haven't seen from a Missouri player in a little while. And then you add in um, a group of guys coming back. You've got Dominic Lovett, who's also from East St. Louis. You've got Mookie Cooper. You've got Towski Dove, who's who's a, a pretty reliable downfield threat. Barrett Bannister, who's going to be like an 11th-year senior. Um, so they, they should have some guys who can make some plays uh, with the ball in their hands. Uh, stylistically, are, are you expecting anything, anything really different from Missouri's offense this year, be it, be it tempo or run-pass distribution? <laughs> I think for the most part, Eli Drinkwitz knows what he wants to do and you won't see anything too drastic. The, the couple things I would look for is one, maybe some more quarterback run. Connor Bazelak was very, very immobile, especially he, he was dealing with an injury for most of last season, but he did not want to run. Uh, Brady oh, that game he to, beat Florida was like, like he yeah. didn't move. <laughs> oh, no, he really, yeah. I mean, he couldn't. Yeah. He, he did have an hamstring injury, but still, even before then, he did not he did not want to try to carry the ball. So I think you'll see some more of that. Obviously, if, if JT Daniels were to come in and be the guy, maybe not so much. He's not a runner either, but Brady Cook is. Tyler Macon, the other guy on the roster right now, is a runner. Um, so I think you could see some more of that. I think you'll probably see a little less heavy reliance on the running game, on just the traditional running game with the tailback because Tyler Beatty's gone. Uh, he was so good last season. He averaged something like 28 touches a game. I think you'll see it get spread out a little bit more and maybe the run game incorporated more into like some swing passes to, to wide receivers or little bubble screens, you know, the, the quote-unquote extensions of the running game. Um, but for the most part, I, I think we know what Eli Drinkwitz is looking to do. All right, so I, th I think we pretty much trust Drinkwitz to, to put together at least a decent, if not better than decent, offense, he, even in the SEC, you know, with, with that receiver talent. Now i got to ask you about the defense. Um, and by almost any conference standard, this was a pretty poor defense last year. I think Connolly had him 92nd in the country. Uh, I know there was a decent amount of injuries that seemed to cluster at certain positions at times. What Are you expecting a better defense this year? If so, how much better do you think? I think it would be hard to be worse. Um, I, I mean, for much of last season, they were dead last in the country against the run and bottom five in division in FBS in overall defense. So uh, they did get better as the season went on, which is part of the reason I think people are optimistic that they can continue to kind of turn the corner. Steve Wilkes did leave for the NFL, but Eli Drinkwitz and Blake Baker, who replaced Wilkes, have talked a lot about trying to keep some of the same schematic elements and a lot of the same language so there's not so much of a learning curve. And that, that's really what they blamed the struggles on last season was that what Steve Wilkes wanted to do was so drastically different from what Ryan Walters wanted to do that players were just kind of lost out there for the first half of the season. It took them a while to understand where they were 
supposed to be and their responsibilities within the defense. Um, and, and they are bringing a lot of those same guys back that you know, you'll, they lost some production at linebacker and blaze Aldridge um, lost. Let's see a couple defense, a couple interior defensive linemen, but for the most part, you have a lot of guys back. And so uh, I, I would expect that it, Probably, I, I don't know if it'll be, you know, the strength of the team, but I just, I can't see it being as bad as it was for the first part of last season, just because that was, I mean, that was as bad as it gets. They gave up 400 yards rushing to Tennessee. You know, they were giving up over 270 yards a game on the ground for part of the season. So I think that, uh, that if you were to just have fixed that early in the season, you probably have a couple more wins on the schedule. So uh, I think it'll be better than what we saw early last year. And now we'll go to the portal. Uh, Quite a few guys have come into uh, for Missouri. They also lost uh, Makai Wingo right to mm-hmm. LSU. Mm-hmm. He was going to start for them, I assume, right? I think so. Yeah, he he didn't start yeah. last season, but I mean, he played the most snaps of any defensive tackle. But they 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 bring in two guys of of the two at, at D tackle. I mean, just looking at, at here, if you give up 400 yards rushing in Tennessee and you know average averaging 270 on the ground, um, who of the defensive line transfers do you think will make the biggest impact? Yeah, I think that uh, Jaden Jernigan out of Oklahoma State, they'll have some pretty big expectations for him. It, that was a guy who, I mean, kind of surprised me. He was he was playing quite a bit on an Oklahoma State defense. I think finished, I want to say, fifth overall and fourth against the run in the country last year. So a really good group. He wasn't starting, but he was in the regular rotation, and he just decided he wanted to go somewhere and start, and that's Missouri's benefit. So I think the expectations for him will be pretty high. Um, they've got a couple couple other guys on the defensive line as well who I think are going to be probably spending a little more time at end. Um, you've got uh, Tyron Hopper and the, or Tyrone Hopper. There's two Hoppers, Tyrone and Tyron. It's very confusing. <laughs> and and uh, Ian Matthews from Auburn. Ian Matthews is a guy who I think is a little bit more developmental. But if I had to pick one, it would for sure be Jaden Jernigan. Awesome. All right. Uh, last one and staying in the portal here. You already mentioned quarterback, maybe Jesse Daniels, maybe an alternate candidate. Uh, when, when we see all these spring games finish, we'll see the depth charts uh, shake out. If not quarterback, is there one other spot on this team that you expect Missouri uh, to be actively in pursuit of uh, as they get ready for the fall? Yeah, I could see a few other spots. I don't know if there's anything as glaring as quarterback. That's for sure would be number one. But I think they could maybe use another defensive back. They were really thin at cornerback over the spring. They had a couple guys out with injury where they were putting out a bunch of guys who had never played before on kind of the first team in spring that – Signals to me maybe they might look for some more depth there. Uh, tight end, they already brought in one transfer, but they they don't have a single tight end on the roster who's caught a pass in a Missouri uniform. So depending on what they saw out of that group in spring, uh, I, I could see that being a potential position of need as well. Awesome. Mitchell, really appreciate the time. Follow Mitchell on Twitter at Mitchell number 4D. Mitchell 4D, like 40, get it? And uh, awesome, man. Really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbssports. 
That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, guys, welcome back in to Cover 3. This is Bud's off-season summer homework series, or whatever we decide to call it, in post-production. And now we are on to Louisville, who wrapped up spring pretty recent. Uh, and to t- break down Louisville with us, we have Jody Demling of Cardinal Authority. Jody, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, bud. It's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. We're uh, we're not too far from that bowl game that Louisville participated in, and they're already finished with spring football. That's what I was telling you. It's great because I can get an early vacation in. But uh, uh, but no, it's uh, it, I'm excited about looking forward and and talking about this team because I think this is a team that with offense, the offensive weapons that they've added to what they've already had. Um, if they can stop anybody defensively, this is a team that's going to really surprise a lot of people moving forward. Yeah, I, Jody, I'm, I'm going to spoil. I think we're on the same page here. Uh, so they were six and seven last year. Uh, some somewhat unlucky in some of the close games. Fifty mm-hmm. second overall in SP plus. But you, you mentioned the offense. I mean, well, I'll, I'll start there. If I said, hey, I'll give you thirty guesses to name the top twenty five offenses in the country. I'm not sure how many just average college football fans would have named Louisville, but they they were absolutely up there. Uh, you know, I think they were, what, top 20 in SP yeah. Plus offense. Mm-hmm. They were really explosive. What And they bring back everybody. Am I missing any, any key departures? Yeah, I mean, the the, the wide receiver room is going to be different. Um, Amari Huggins-Bruce is back, and he was a guy, and Tyler Harrell is back. Those are two guys that made a lot of plays last year. But other than that, there's a lot of newcomers. Now, that's the thing. They've added some really key newcomers in D. Wiggins from Miami and this kid, Tyler Hudson. They love him from Central Arkansas. He was a, a he was a uh, All American on that level at Central Arkansas. I know when our guys uh, re ranked him in the transfer portal, they put him as a four star and, and he's looked like that. He was the best player on the field a lot during spring ball for Louisville, uh, not named Malik Cunningham because Malik Cunningham's always the best player on the field, even when they weren't letting him run the ball in spring. Uh, but yeah, you're right. They it, it's it's pretty much. I mean, they've got nine different offensive linemen that they can rotate in and out. Four of the five starters are back. They had two other guys that started games last year um, that that are that are just going to move right in there. It, it's Scott Satterfield's done a really nice job of of keeping those pieces, adding some good pieces to it. They have four running backs that are that, that could I think could start at most places. All four of them, uh, and the the maybe the. Biggest thing that people don't realize also, just the average fan, is that Lance Taylor is a really good dude and a really good football coach. And he's come in and helped Scott Satterfield kind of tweak some things that they needed in the run game. And and, and I think it's going to make it even better. Um, you know, he's you know, Lance Taylor's had a lot of uh, the, that background, at not only at Notre Dame, but at Stanford and with the Carolina Panthers and in, in, in the run game. And uh, he's going to coach wide receivers, but he's going to be the offensive coordinator. And I just think you'll see some different things, which will make Malik Cunningham even better in the run game. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the run game because I, I was trying to deep dive it this morning when I figured, you know, what what do I need to ask Jody. Uh, and like they were very explosive running the football last year. They had a lot of long runs, but I felt like too often they were in second and nine, second and eight type situations when, when they did run it on first down. And maybe this is just defenses, you know, kind of keying on the run and saying, ah. You know, beat us with the pass, if, if you will. And with play action, they did. But it, is that the improvement you see in, in the run game, greater consistency, or, or is it something else? Yeah, I, I think it's greater consistency. They are very explosive. Look, um, Jalen Mitchell, who had a couple of touchdowns in the spring game, 
uh, and was kind of the star of the spring. Well, I shouldn't say game, spring practice or spring, spring scrimmage. Everybody does it different. Theirs was more of a scrimmage. Um, he was the starter last year at running back. Uh, I really think Travion Cooley, who was a true freshman, who to me is maybe if you said if you had to say give me one guy that the nation doesn't know by the end of the year he's going to be an all ACC caliber guy I think it's Travion Cooley he's an explosive dude um, he's 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 not the fastest guy in the world but he's fast enough that when he gets out there he's explode and he's and he's hard to catch he was injured didn't participate in the spring game Jawar Jordan who had a had 243 yards against Louisville all purpose when he was at Syracuse. And then had a big breakout game in the bowl game against uh, uh, this past season for Louisville against Air Force when he had a 100-yard kickoff return and I think 45 yards rushing is the fourth guy because they added Tyon Evans, who for most of the year was Tennessee's leading rusher until he got injured. Yeah. So they have a four-headed monster that they're all different. And I think that that's what's going to improve the run game. But you're right. It was those second and nines, second and 11. There was a lot of second and 11, second 12, second nine kind of things that they got into last year, and that's what they're going to have to do. The one, the one difference in the offense, personnel-wise, and this is not a knock on Cole Bentley. He was a kid who played in 60-something games for Louisville over five years. But Brian Hudson will move in. The former Virginia Tech uh, transfer will move into the starting lineup as the starting center this year. And I just think from a consistency basis, I think they'll be better – on the line because I think Hudson that's a, that's like a true position for him and, uh, and and he's going to be really good in there so that's the one personnel change I think we'll see from a betting perspective obviously we care a lot about tempo I mean if, if you get more more possessions or fewer possessions that kind of impacts the total quite a bit I, we expect roughly like no major changes to tempo we think with this team given that still Scott now, I, I think they'll take more shots down the field next year even I mean Tyler Harrell they're I mean they're legit like not many guys that can keep up with him. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think his first nine catches, four of them, five of them were touchdowns. You know, and it was just boom down the field and go and try to do it. I think they'll continue to do that. D. Wiggins and, and Tyler Hudson, like I've mentioned, they're versatile guys who can do some damage in that game, in that down the field game as well. I, I think so. I think we'll see this offense be more like the first year Scott Satterfield as far as the passing okay. game is concerned. Um, when they had 2 2 Atwell, who they could get him on a reverse, but yet send him down the field and do a lot of different things like that, get it out in space. And Javion Hawkins that year was the running back. I think we're going to see more of, of that same tempo, just more shots down the field. It it strikes me that that team, the, the first offense you described, was better when they – obviously they're, they're both better when they're using play action than not. But I feel like the drop back game for that team when you didn't have play action to rely on was better. Am I, am I, yeah, maybe maybe yeah. I'm wrong on that because no. I think Malik got better, right? Yeah, I think Malik got better. the 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 weird thing in comparing all of the years is the line was not very good that first year. At times, you know, they just didn't have the bodies. You know, when they came in here, they just didn't have the bodies up front. Um, and, and I think so. That's the difference now. Like I said, they've got they legitimately feel comfortable rotating nine guys up front. And I think that's going to help everything else, make everything else a little bit better. So I'm, I'm not sure it'll be, that will be the interesting thing to me to watch in the first couple of games. The first couple of games are on the road, by the way, um, which are, which will be interesting for them, but it'll be interesting to see how much play action they really do, because 
I do think moving forward with what Malik has done, I mean, it's going to be – defenses are going to – obviously, they've been keyed on him before, and they were last year. He made a lot of them pay. But even more so this year, they're going to be tailored to how to stop Malik. And that's why this spring they have told him, and they, when they did in spring ball and in the scrimmages and all that, is he wasn't allowed to run. He had to throw the ball. And, you know, in the scrimmage that we saw at the end spring, he ran the ball twice. And, and you know, obviously he's going to run the ball more when the season comes. But they're hoping, their hope is that not letting him run now will make him better in trying to see what he needs to see and make plays elsewhere other than with his legs. Because they know he can do it with his legs. I mean, his, his scramble success rate, especially in passing downs, is off the charts. So, yeah, for, for yeah. sure. Uh, now we got to talk. I'm, some Louisville fans probably would prefer we don't do this. But uh, the yeah. other side of the ball, um, they were kind of low 60s defensively in most power ratings. Uh, extremely bend but don't break last year, I felt like. Yeah. But then they would also sometimes break in the red zone. Like they weren't necessarily – like Arkansas to me is good bend but don't break. They bend, 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 and they just don't break. Louisville kind of bent a lot and then also still was not particularly great yeah. in the red zone. Is it Was that by design? Not not the breaking, but like the, the bend because they didn't have – maybe the personnel to play a little more aggressive style, or do you think that's just what they want to do? Like that's what they believe in. What, what do you think there? Like a lot of it is depth. Um, they still have just struggled, especially, you know, and they lost some key guys out of the secondary. They've just, they've struggled. Um, they, they've built now a lot of the fans I know don't like the depth up front because they don't have a whole lot of big guys, which, you know, big guys don't really big guys in the middle don't grow on the tree. You know, and you just can't go get a couple of those kind of guys. You gotta, you really have to work that. Um, they like their what they're they've done up front and the depth that they've built up front. They really like their linebacker room right now, um, and and they did last year. You know, you had C.J. Avery, Monty Montgomery. I guess, I guess to go back to your question, one of the biggest things last year, and they had to change a little bit. They didn't have the depth. And Monty Montgomery, who I think is their best defensive player, he was last year and he will be this year, was injured and was out for the entire uh, – the last, what, ten, nine game, eight games of the season with an, with an knee injury. Keetra Clark, their second best defensive player, uh, suffered the same knee injury and was out for the last seven games of the year. So they were minus their last their, – their two best defensive players for the last seven or eight games of the season. That was a big thing. And they just don't. Clark's a stud corner for the listeners at home. Like, yeah, exactly. Keetra Keetra Clark's totally pretty, like if you're not an HC guy, Keetra Clark's pretty good. Yeah, and they they just don't have. They didn't have the depth. Now they've done some good job. The good job in the transfer portal, and they're still working. They still want to add four guys this summer uh, to that secondary. If they can find somebody up front, yes, they they'll add. But they want to add three or four more guys to that secondary. Uh, they've had a couple guys here on campus, you know, recently, and if they can add them, those are guys that can. That can come in and start right away. You know, Kendrick Duncan, the safety, will is back. Um, MJ Griffin is a transfer from uh, uh, from Temple. Jalen Alexander is a a, a a transfer from Duke in the secondary, and Jalen Williams is a transfer from USC. So they've got three transfers already. They want to add three more. So that should tell you right there the depth just isn't what it has been there. Um, and and I think and you probably know this guy. You it, people out there, if you're nationally, you've you've seen this guy. But Crime Dog, uh, Coach Coach Crime is uh, is a big addition for Louisville. Um, he comes in as the secondary coach, but he's also going to be the defensive coordinator, the co-defensive coordinator with Brian Brown. And I think it gives Brian Brown um, a little bit of 
it, it gives him some some veteran guy to listen to and to lean on and to try to uh, try to do some different things. And, and I think that's going to help the whole defense. Awesome. Uh, well, Jody, you kind of you, you you jump right into my final question, which, which was that where they still looking to go on the transfer market. Um, yeah. Is, this is, in your mind, this is Satterfield's best team by a good bit, you think? Like, is the defense going to improve enough to be to be I, that? I think so. So, to go back to his first year, he kind of, you know, when they won the eight games in the bowl game in the first year, it kind of set the bar a little higher than what anybody ever thought that they could set the bar. And it's been and they hard were a little to lucky that, that year. Yeah, oh, you know they I mean? totally were. This like, past year two was not as much worse than year one as the record shows. Right. The, this past year, they were they were unlucky in some games. The year before, the first year, they were really lucky in some games. I mean, that Wake Forest game, there were six onside kicks in the last four minutes of that game, and they end up winning what it was whatever, like 62-59 or whatever, and very easily could have could have lost that game and other ones. So they set the bar a little higher. Their, their play on the field set the bar a little higher than what I think the actual uh, uh, the the actual talent level was on the team at the time. They've done a really good job with the transfer portal. They've done a really good job in recruiting and getting some guys. You know, they got a guy like Popeye Williams who could have went anywhere in the country from Indianapolis, from Westfield, Indiana, just north of Indianapolis as an edge rusher. He'll play that their their outside like their 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 uh, card position as they call it. Um, he could have gone anywhere in the country as a top top 200 kid, and and yet they got him to Louisville. So they're doing a good job in recruiting. The NIL stuff is really helping Louisville football out a lot. And, yes, I think when you put all these pieces together, I think this is Scott Satterfield's best team, the potential to be his best team yet. And uh, and, and they do need it. They need uh, – you know, there's pressure on these guys to, uh, you know, to win this year. Awesome. Jody Demling, Cardinal Authority. Go enjoy the rest of the vacation, man. I really appreciate you taking the time for us here on Cover 3 and check out Cardinal Authority. It's a great site. And follow Jody on Twitter as well. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. All right, guys, welcome back into the Cover 3 podcast. It's our summer school series, and I'm really excited now to discuss Arizona. And to help me out with that, we're going to bring in Jason Shear of Wildcat Authority. Jason, welcome to Cover 3. Thanks for having me. Man, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this team. And, and uh, you may not think so off a 111 campaign under new head coach Jed Fish, but I, I look at some of the advanced metrics last year and they really pretty easily could have won two or three games. And I don't mean that sarcastically. Like they kind of had a little bit of, of, of poor luck, uh, both in, in the close game bounces and also the, the injury uh, department. It, Internally, do they feel like they were a little bit better than their record was last year? Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, I think there were, I think, six or seven games where they went into the fourth quarter and it was a one-possession game. And they just could not score in the red zone. And quarterback play was was just not good enough. And and I think that it was, you know, it was a, it, it's hard to be positive after a one-win season. But looking back at it, you could kind of tell 
where, you know, you kind of say if Arizona was a little bit better here and there, it would have been, like you said, like a three-win team, which isn't great. But um, concerning where Arizona was the year before that, uh, it would have been a, a pretty big improvement. So I do think there's some internal optimism that that they were better than their record showed. So let's start there with the quarterback position. Arizona had three guys throw 70-plus passes. If you're a good team, that sometimes means you're getting your backups in and getting a lot of garbage time reps. Uh, if you're not a good team, that is almost never a good sign. And indeed, in this case, it wasn't. So they go to the portal and they get Jaden Delora, uh, who had a really nice year at Washington State. Now, I know no coach out there is going to name a starter before May 1st, because if you do, then everybody else hits the portal and, and you're right back uh, into that no-depth zone. But you're not a coach here. You just co you cover the team. There's no reason to think this is not Delora, right? Yeah, I even asked Jed after the spring game. I was like, Jaden's the starter, right? And he's like, no, we're not, we're not releasing a depth chart, but if you've gone to practice, you know who the starter is. And Jaden Delora has taken every rep with the ones except for maybe the first day of spring ball. Uh, he's the starter. I mean, he's going to start the first game. There's nothing he can do to probably get him out of that position. And, and he deserves it. Um, you know, the bigger story is probably the guys that are going to be backing him up, but the quarterback was such an issue last season. I mean, they just never had a guy when it looked like they had a guy in Jordan McLeod. Uh, he, you know, he hurts his knee and he's out for the year and then they have to go back to square one. And, and so it was, you know, they, they kind of waited. They were patient. Jaden Delora went in the portal. They got him right away. And there was never any question that he was going to be uh, the starting quarterback. He's had a little bit of growing pains, but he's had other moments where he's looked really good. But um, it's a it's a lock that he's starting that season opener. He, he's got some real talent. I, mean, I feel like once in a while when I was watching when I was watching Washington State, he would kind of lock in on a guy and decide he's going to throw it there, whether or not that guy actually came open or not. But the arm talent is is pretty impressive. I mean, you know, decent athlete. Uh, let's talk a little about the guys he's going to be throwing to here. So you do lose Castile and Berryhill, correct? And they didn't get extra years. I, I don't. Right. Think. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. It, it's always tough to go over these rosters now with, with all these super seniors. Uh, just I, I got to double check. Uh, but you bring in Jacob Cowling from UTEP. And anybody watched UTEP last year realized that dude was a different level athlete than the rest of that conference, and he wanted to stay close to home. Arizona had a lot of playing time, and obviously, you know, Delora coming in. He's is he on campus yet? Like, like he's he's in for spring, correct? Yeah, and he is really good. Yeah, <laughs> as good as advertised. I just feel like this offense could be could be so much better. Like, like there's just different level guys coming in that just were, I don't like. They just feel like they're not even close to what they had last year. Yeah, I mean, like I love Stanley Berry Hill, and he was the best receiver on Arizona last season by far. He'd probably be like the third best uh, in this year's group. I mean, Cowing is really good. You could see, um, even it's spring ball, you could see why um, so many teams wanted him after the portal. They went and they got T-Mac, a uh, four or five-star receiver out of Southern California. They beat everyone for. He's been as good as advertised. Kevin Green, former USC commit. I mean, they, they rebuilt the wide receiver room completely. And there is a ton of talent there where they're a legitimate, you know, six deep at the position. And they've been rotating guys quite a bit. But um, just the the sheer amount of quality compared to last season at wide receiver and then throwing the fact that they actually have a quarterback that could throw him the ball. Because, like, Barry Hill, a lot of his stuff was, like, you know, five, eight yards or whatever because they yeah. just didn't have a guy to throw down the field. And we've seen it during the spring where they're taking a lot more shots to the end zone and there's guys to throw it to. And the, the difference is they have guys that 
you know, a guy like Jaden could throw it up to T-Mac, who's 6'4", who's going to go and get it. And they didn't have that guy last year. And they have a few receivers like that. Um, but they've got size, they've got speed, and it is a significantly improved position group. I got to ask you about the offensive line. Uh, one of the more you know, veteran returning units out there in the Pac-12 this year along the O-line, uh, they did struggle last year a little bit, though, at, at times. And that roster had a bunch of turnover entering last year. Are you expecting, I guess asking if you're expecting better things from a group that brings everybody back is, is almost silly. But uh, do they have the talent to be better now that they have the experience? It, to me, that's the biggest question on the whole roster is the offensive line. And during the spring, they've had multiple guys injured. And so, like, they've had to start a freshman at center during the whole spring instead of a guy like Josh Baker who has that experience. Grayson Stovall enrolled early, and they said, here, you're the starting center right away because of injury. Um, Jonas Sabanea is a freshman. He's really good. He's going to start um, really under-recruited, but he's going to start as a freshman right away. And so there's been some talent upgrades, but – all of a sudden that experience isn't necessarily there because of injury. The biggest thing with them is they have to stay healthy. They just, they don't have the depth at all right now. They're one injury away on the offensive line from starting a guy who hasn't really played many, if any snaps. Um, and, and that's an issue. It should be better. You would think it'd be better, but the spring really didn't teach us anything because they had guys out every practice. I mean, like I said, starting center was out. So they had to shift some guys around. They're starting two freshmen on the offensive line. It wasn't awful during the spring, but it was really inconsistent. And to me, when I'm kind of looking through the roster, that's the biggest question that I have. And you know what? Hey, if you're an Arizona fan out there, uh, back when I was, you know, before I was doing national stuff, I was, I was covering the FSU beat. That 2013 team that won the national title with, with Jameis, their backups on the offensive line were horrendous. The starters were pretty good. Like if they got one guy go down, they might be in real trouble. All 14 games, same <laughs> dude. So it, it miracles do happen. Yep. Uh Let's switch to the defensive side of the ball. And I was reviewing your, the stat sheet from last year, and it reminded me a lot of the early Pat Narduzzi teams uh, where my data was showing, hey, they want to play a very aggressive style. Also, they don't actually have the guys to play this very aggressive style. So what you see is is some stops and a, a pretty high average third down distance because you know if the teams made it to third down, they probably did so because they failed to hit an explosive play on first or second down. But they also hit a lot of explosive plays on first and second, like a ton. And now Pitt has the guys to play the scheme they want to play, uh, and they don't give up quite so many bombs, uh, just kind of like Michigan State did. They have a new D.C. and in, in, in Johnny Nansen. Are you expecting a similar like similar style of play here? Because the explosive play rate allowed last year was just – it almost doesn't matter what you do on offense. They just give up so many huge plays. I, are we going to see something a little more conservative, hopefully, this year, maybe? Yeah, the thing with Don Brown, I, I love Don Brown. He's at UMass now, but he played pretty much all man, and he would say he would leave his guys on an island, and Arizona just wasn't good enough to do that. I mean, it, it works when you have better talent, but like you mentioned, there were so many explosive plays, and Johnny Nanton has come in and said, we're going to run a lot more zone. Like, we're going to – I mean, Arizona played man and didn't force any turnovers. Um, they forced a ton of turnovers during spring, which is good and bad, but <laughs> – um, they're putting guys in – it feels like they're putting guys in better position to succeed. And Arizona still isn't there talent-wise to play man every single down. Not a lot of teams are. Um, so there's a lot more zone mixed in, which allows Arizona to go and get turnovers. And, and, and Arizona's just – they're not good enough to win games without forcing turnovers. And I think Nansen came in right away. And they're still going to be an aggressive defense. They're still going to be 
quite a lot of blitzing, but there's going to be a lot more um, zone and a lot more different kind of disguises and scheme and stuff like that, as opposed to with Don Brown, it was kind of, this is what we do and we're going to do it, whether it's working or not. So they, they brought in quite a few guys through the transfer portal and, and a lot of new bodies here on the defensive side. It, if you would, just kind of open it a question. Can, can you sort through for me, not every guy, but like which, you know, D line backer DB it, are there certain units where you feel like, hey, they really hit here uh, and this, this should be improved? And, hey, maybe some of these transfers they took here are still kind of uh, up in the air as whether they were hits? Yeah, I think linebacker, they, they did a nice job. Uh, Hunter Eccles over at USC, yeah. Arizona, um, he's had a really good spring. I mean, you can make an argument he's been the most consistent defender. Um, again, I you know, you don't want to read too much into spring compared to the real thing, but he's getting a sack like every, every practice. And, and he's been really, really good. Um, they kind of put him to a strength that he's going to rush the quarterback a lot. So he's done well. Um, Anthony Solomon from Michigan was banged up a little bit. Didn't really play at Michigan very much, but they have him and brought him in and, and he's played. Uh, the linebacker from IMG? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Okay. I saw him down here. Yeah. So he's he's come in um, and, and he's done done well. Um, Savea, defensive lineman from UCLA. He's maybe not as good as right away as I thought he would be. Um, but he's going to be a guy who, I mean, at the very worst, he'll be a, a backup defensive lineman, still playing plenty of snaps. So those three guys uh, really stick out to me. And, and you know, it, they added so many transfers from uh, with last year's roster that it almost feels like like the guys that have taken steps forward um, from last year to this year are still guys that, you know, like Gunnar Maldonado, who was on Northwestern two years ago, he's going to play a lot more compared to last season. Um, but they, they brought in uh, a ton of transfers. They got offensive linemen. It, it's just, he's taken the step where he, ideally he keeps saying he wants, Jetfish says he wants to build through the high school ranks, but, um, there's just so many holes when he, when he got to Arizona that he's had to bring in transfers and in the spring, at least they've, they've looked pretty good. For sure. And, and they're obviously kind of beneficiaries of, of some of the, the craziness that's gone on at, at Arizona state. I mean, it, all of a sudden Arizona looks very stable in comparison, right? So you, maybe they can recruit more at the high school level in the years going forward. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and they, they know that they won't mention it and they won't talk about it, but um, they're trying to get as many good players in the state on campus as much as possible, which they were doing before, but it was still going to be hard to go into Phoenix and get these kids, you know, when ASU is right there. But uh, I think that there seems to be more recognition of what's going on down here. They had a ton of visitors for the spring game. Um, you know, I, I joke about it, but Jed Fish is the best offseason coach that Arizona's ever had. <laughs> like, he is undefeated in the offseason in terms of, you know, recruiting, uh, getting visitors, the alumni stuff, the spring game. Um, he's really, really good at, at all that stuff. Awesome. All right. So I'm thinking kind of floor ceiling here. Floor is probably like worst case scenario. They they win one. You know, maybe like North, North Dakota is a dangerous FCS and I think they're favored over Colorado. Best case six, if everything breaks right, I guess. That seemed yeah. like a reasonable range. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I posted the same thing. Like they're okay. I hate I hate their out of conference schedule. I hate yeah. it. <laughs> it's I don't know who who did it, but I mean Mississippi State at San Diego State and then North Dakota State, which is just pointless to play. There's no like victory in playing them. Um their home schedule is pretty nice. So yeah, I mean that out of conference is going to be the big thing. If they can go and get one or two wins, uh, they're golden, but they could also very easily go 0-3 because they're three hard games. So 
if they can get out of there two and one, um, I think they're golden. I think six wins is a a very good possibility. I always worry when a team, you know, if they go zero and three and they're out of conference, can you kind of keep things together and and what happens there? So, I mean, I think we'll we'll kind of know right away what what type of team Arizona is. No doubt about it. Jason Shear, Wildcat Authority, the authority on Arizona football. Really appreciate it, man. This, this has been fun. Thanks for having me. All right, that's the bell. Cover three college football summer school is over for today. But don't worry. We'll be back soon with even more episodes filling you in on the top teams in college football. Please give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on YouTube and on Twitter at Cover 3 Podcast. And we'll see you all soon. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.